I wonder if we can turn back to the passage we read, please. Just seeking God's help as we look at this passage together and see what the Lord is, is, is saying to us. The message of Christianity is, is amazing. It's Mark chapter 2 at the beginning. It's amazing and it's unique. Nowhere else can anything like this be found anywhere. And through this, this gospel, as you, you will know, everyone's greatest need can be met. And we find that particularly clear in this short passage that we read. If you're the person that you like to have a, a text, a verse to take away with you, it would be the, the verse 10 of this chapter 2, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. We live in a day when there's many different versions and views of what Christianity actually is. Many people think it's about living a good and an upright life. And if you can tick enough boxes at the end of the day, people say, well, surely God will accept me. And of course we know that that is absolutely, completely and utterly non-biblical. And some people think as well that it's really about going along to church. It's leading that, that kind of life. And it's about, if you go along to church and people say, well, I read my Bible every day, I say my prayers every day, and that's kind of the testimony of some people if you ask them, doing a mission in a church, and I'll mention where it was nowhere near here, and uh, one of the, the, the leading lights in that place, he came along every night to that gospel mission. I, it wasn't in this area, it was, I was helping someone in another area. And I asked him at the end of the day, you know, when did you become a Christian? Oh, he says, I've always gone along, I've always been coming. And he reeled off a few different things that he had been involved in in the church. And that was his testimony, and you know it was so sad because there was no mention of Jesus. Now, how can you have a testimony and no mention of Jesus? It's all about what I've done all the way along and of course that is no testimony at all some people think it's, it's about our faith have you heard that people say well I, I'm glad or so and so has our faith don't really read that anywhere about we know that um, we, we, we come to Jesus by faith but it's not our faith it's faith in Jesus Christ isn't it it's faith in the person of Jesus Christ and some people say, well, I don't know what I would do without my faith. And, uh, well, most of us don't have much to boast about our faith, do we? Because our faith is usually so, so poor and so slight and so slender. But it's all, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And that's what this tent mission will be all about. It'll not be about anybody. It's not about tents. It's not about churches. It's not about tents. It's all about Jesus. And that, that, that's the only way it will be effective, that he will be in the center and it will all be about him. So, what is the greatest need of mankind? What is the greatest need of everyone here tonight? 
What is the greatest need of everybody in Barbados and everybody in Lewis, everybody throughout the whole land? The greatest need that is that the, the, the wrath of God we are under in our natural state, when we're still outside of Christ, that the wrath of God would be turned away so that a person can be saved from, from the suffering and the penalties of sin for all eternity. It's forgiveness, isn't it? In Romans 1.8 it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. John 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And that's not a good place to be. That, that, that is not a good place to be. Outside of Christ, we're under judgment, we're, we're under the wrath of God. But the wonderful thing is about the gospel, that God's wrath can be turned away from us when we come to Jesus Christ and put our trust in him and know him as our saviour. The wrath of God is turned away so that we can enjoy instead his favour and be freed from the guilt and the penalties of sin for all eternity. Let's look at this passage. This man in this passage gives us a great example of the, his greatest need being met. I want to take us to a one or two different homes tonight. The first home I want to think about is found in verse 1. It says, When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And there's slight differences of where that might be, but that doesn't really need to concern us tonight, just enough to say he was at home. But it was a busy home. This home was buzzing with people. It was full, because people were coming along. Every inch of space was taken. Maybe you've experienced homes like that. Maybe your home is a bit like that sometimes. I think perhaps more so in times past when there were the, the, the house meetings and lots of people would gather and I've heard people saying that there was people in every room even people sitting on the stairs and it was just full there was no more room for anybody and it's probably a bit like that this home was just full of people desperate to hear and see what was happening because people were being healed there was people being delivered from, from, from demons and we're told that he was preaching the word to them. What attracted these people? Well, it was Jesus, but sadly not all were there for the right reasons. Some were there, and we often read that in the New Testament, they were coming just to see the, the, the miracles themselves. And we, we read after the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus says, well, I know why you're here, you, you ate your fill. Uh, and, and that's why you're here. And so people come for the wrong reasons. But he was preaching the word and some at least would have been listening and hearing and the word applied. But he was the attraction. And that's the way it always needs to be. Nothing else is the attraction. We don't need any other attractions. None whatsoever. We just need Jesus. And that should never change. Trust that we're here for the right reasons tonight. We're here to worship God. Wonder if we'll really come prepared for that. 
to worship him. We're in the presence of the king, the king of kings, for the right reasons to worship. You can only worship God if, you've, if your heart's been changed. Because the Bible says that we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. But in our natural state, we cannot do that. In our natural state, all we're doing is going through the motions. We can't truly worship God until he gives us a new heart. And that's the greatest need. If there is anyone here tonight, and you have never experienced that, that's your greatest need. People that come into the tent haven't experienced Jesus, the greatest need. Everyone out there who might never come in, their greatest need is to experience Jesus. They were astonished at his teaching as he taught with one who had authority. And prayer, preaching and praying. Look at chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The house was full. It was a busy house. There were lots of people. The focus was on Jesus. But I want to take us to another house that wasn't a busy house. Everyone, you see, wasn't at his house, his home. Some couldn't be there. And the man in the, we, we read about here, he couldn't be there because he wasn't able. He couldn't get by himself. And thinking about that, I wonder how many people are out there tonight. And there will be people, maybe not physically paralyzed, but, but spiritually paralyzed and spiritually dead and desperate for help. There'll be confused people. There'll be, there'll be people who are needy people. There's, there's hurting people. There, there's lost people. And there's, there's many people out there and I wonder if there's just someone tonight who would just long to, to be able to come to Jesus. But they don't know how. Because nobody has gone to tell them. Nobody has got alongside them to tell them. Maybe there's just someone that you can go to. And just invite them along. Just tell them about Jesus. Bring them along. You know, there's people, there'll be people out there like that. That their only hope is Jesus. But they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They don't know how to approach Jesus. <coughs> Tell them of Jesus. But we read in this passage that there was men, there were four men, came to help this man that was paralyzed. Men on a mission were not told who they were. I've just called them friends because... They were certainly friends. And they were there to help. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because they, they came to a situation that was out with their control. You see, of themselves, they, they didn't have what it would take to help this man. They couldn't meet this man's deepest need. But in another way, they could help him. So they did what they could. See, they took him to Jesus. What, what better thing could they have done? 
They couldn't have done any better than that. But to bring this man to Jesus. And you know we're all sitting on a mission field aren't we? We, we live on a mission field. And, and it's very easy to look out and see the vast need that there is. And think well it's, it's almost like a mission impossible. And we see all these people and we think well we cannot supply the need. And we say well it, only God can do that and we know that. But the interesting and wonderful thing is that God uses his people to reach out to these people, to help them, that we would do all that we can to reach out to needy people who are out there. So we don't give up. We don't see it as mission impossible. But we can look at the example of these men. These men. See, they had a plan. It's good to have a plan. And their plan was very simple. It was nothing complicated. Their plan was just to get this man to Jesus. He couldn't manage of himself. He was helpless. His best efforts were in vain. He could probably only think of this happening. Being in that region, he might well have heard about Jesus. He might well have heard about the miracles that Jesus was performing. He said, here's the man that could make the blind see. He's the, here is the man that can make the deaf hear. Here is the man that can make the lame walk. And I can't get to him. He might well have lay there for days thinking, if I could only get to Jesus. I wonder if there are people out there like that tonight, just waiting for someone to say, to get alongside them and help them and bring them to Jesus. That's what these four men did. Out with this control, out with their control. But they brought him. They weren't ashamed. Wonder if they got a few looks along the way. Wonder if a few people kind of ridiculed them. But they kept going. They probably faced difficulties. And they came to this crowded house. We're back at the other house now. We've left the quiet house where the man, man is. And we've brought him to this crowded house. But the people are everywhere, right out to the door. And they could well have thought, well, surely these people will see that we're carrying a needy, needy person. And surely they'll stand to the side and let us in. But they didn't. We're told that they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd. See, they, they, they faced a difficulty. There was no way through. But we need to notice what it said about these men. The Bible tells us that these were men of faith. And do you know, what, do you know where faith takes us? Faith takes us beyond the barriers. Faith takes us beyond the crowds. Faith takes us beyond the difficulties. Faith takes us to Jesus. That's where faith takes us. You see, they could quite easily have said, well, we're not going to manage today. Maybe we'll have another go tomorrow. But they didn't do that. They might have said, well, maybe we'll get another opportunity. But you see, there's no time to wait. Because they mightn't have had another opportunity. And the devil has many people deceived into thinking there'll be other opportunities. But we don't know that. And if you're not saved tonight, my friend, you don't know 
that you'll have another opportunity. You don't know that you'll have the desire tomorrow to, to cry out to God for mercy. That's why the Bible always tells us now is the acceptable time. And now is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. They had no assurance of another day. If their friend is going to get help, he needs to get help. The answer, and the only answer is to get him to Jesus. You know anyone who wants to, really wants to, to find, to get to Jesus, there's always a way. Regardless of what barriers are in, in the way, by grace they can be overcome. And you know, some people say, well, I can't. Yes, you can. That, that's only what we're thinking when we're looking at ourselves. But remember where faith takes us? Faith takes us beyond the barriers. Faith takes us beyond the I can'ts. Faith takes us to Jesus himself. So they found a way, didn't they? We know the story. Well, we probably learned it in Sunday school. They got onto the roof and they dug into the roof. They unroofed the roof. It seems like desperate measures, doesn't it? But it's a desperate situation. You know, if, if people who are lost and without hope would only realize the, the critical, irretrievable, helpless state that they are in, those people that have never come to Jesus Christ, apart from him, there's no way. Apart from him, there's no hope. Apart from him, there's no answer. Only him. So they knew they had to get him. Yes, there's always a way. There's always a way. What about they start digging and I think it's okay to use our imagination a little bit. You couldn't have dug through the roof without some of the stuff falling in. That, that, that would be impossible. There was clay and all kinds of stuff there. Some of the debris must have been falling down onto the people. And usually the scribes and the Pharisees, these people, they wanted to get the best view, didn't they? They would well have been the people that might have been closest to Jesus. I wonder if any other stuff was kind of falling down around them or on them. That it, would, it would have been an inconvenience to say the least. And some people there might have said, what's happening? What's going on here? What are these people doing? They're getting a needy person to Jesus. And you know my friends tonight that we can sit very cozy, can't we? We can sit very comfortable in our nice buildings, warm. And really, we're probably, we don't want too much of a disturbance. But you know, if people are going to be reached with the gospel, it will inconvenience us. If people are going to be reached with the gospel, it will put us out. We, we just can't keep on going normal living, cozy normal lives if we're going to, to reach out to the lost people and bring them to Jesus. It's going to be an inconvenience. We're going to have to put ourselves out. But did Jesus not do that for us? Did he not give everything for us? Did he not give his whole life on the cross 
who died in the agony of Calvary and bore the wrath of God for us. And he just simply is saying to us, you know, just tell them about Jesus. He's mighty to save. Tell people about Jesus. They lowered him down. And the interesting thing is as well that there's no request mentioned. They just got him there. That's just amazing. What did Jesus see? He saw their faith. And when Jesus saw their faith, verse 5, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's a very endearing term. Son or, or my son. What a comfort that would have been to these men of faith that brought this man along. You see, Jesus knew their hearts. We read that about the, the, the Pharisees. He knew what they were thinking. He knew this man's heart. He knew what this man wanted in his heart. Although there was no, there, 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 there's no account of any request being made. They just got him there and, and they brought him down and laid him before Jesus. That's just amazing. You know, you can imagine their friends, can't you? Just bringing this man to Jesus and loading him down before the man, hearing these words. Son, my son, your sins are forgiven. You, maybe there's someone that you're really witnessing to. Maybe there's someone that you're really praying for. And it was just, it's just so lovely, isn't it, when... When that person comes, you know, it's lovely to, to see people really seeking the Lord. I don't know if we see that so much these days, do we, or hear about it so much? But to see people seeking the Lord, and then to see people, as the Bible says, those who seek the Lord will find Him. What a joy that is, isn't it? Don't we, we, we long to rejoice in that. We long to rejoice together from people coming to the Saviour. These four men would have rejoiced. Now, that would have been the best that, that, that they could have heard. Son, your sins are forgiven. It doesn't get better than that, does it? Apart from seeing people gone on. People getting right with God and people gone on with God. Growing in grace and in the knowledge of Him. It doesn't get better than that. That's just amazing. Sin in the Bible is serious. How troubled tonight are we about sin? Maybe there's someone and you're just troubled about your sin. You know, it's, it's simple. There's a very simple answer to that. You just bring it to Jesus. Sometimes we, we, we can get too complicated about things. But the gospel is not complicated. Sin needs to be brought to Jesus. It can only be dealt with at the cross. Forgiven. Washed. And remembered no more. If you're troubled about sin tonight, bring it to Jesus. You too can hear these words, My son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. You'll never hear any greater words than that or no one experienced them in your life 
The Lord is, is so good. He was Lord. Just as he was at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus was aware of everything. You see, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That was the home we started at the busy home. We went to the home of the paralytic and it was a quiet home. He was brought to where Jesus was and he had an encounter with the living God. His sins were forgiven. And I just want to think briefly about another home. Jesus told him to go to go home, pick up your bed and go home. And it's just called this a happy home. Because this man left this home paralyzed physically, dead spiritually. It would have been a lonely place. It was a needy place. It was a desperate place. But yet he's gone back home and he'll never be alone again because he's come back with Jesus with him because he's met with Jesus and the promise is for those who meet with Jesus he says I will be with you always even to the very end of the age see home for this man would never be the same again and isn't it wonderful to have a home where Jesus is that it's not just, it's not about us, but it's a place where Jesus is. Because he's in, in our lives, he's in, he's in our hearts. This would have been a place of thanksgiving. Oh, this man would have given praise and thanks to God. Not only are his sins forgiven, but Jesus said that you might know. I, I, I command you, take up your bed and walk and go home. The evidence of the power of the miraculous power of Jesus was shown through this man rising up who was paralyzed and, and walking out so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You know, that, that's, that's the one we need to come to. Jesus, no one else has authority to forgive sins, only him. And the people were amazed. They were amazed. And they said, we have never saw anything like this. I wonder, sometimes you know we can get just so used to, to the word of God. We can just get so used to hearing the word of God that we can cease to be really amazed. That can happen, can't it? I wonder as we read the Bible, as we experience what God is able to do, never lose that amazement that what God is able to do. Never lose that expectancy. These people were amazed. We have never seen anything like this before. And every soul that's saved is amazing. It's a miracle of the living God. Transformation. This ask that these men would spur us on in our own lives. Just going along, four men there, just to help someone, 
Just someone who was needy, someone who was out there who couldn't get to Jesus. And these men bring their man on a mat. And they just simply get him to Jesus. And they had the faith to believe that if they could get him to Jesus, Jesus would do for him what he needed most. His sins forgiven. His greatest need was met. And I wonder tonight, my friend, has your greatest need been met? Have you met with Jesus Christ as your Savior? To know him, to follow him, to rejoice with him. Imagine this man gone home with a spring in his step, rejoicing and praising God for all that he has done. Let's rejoice tonight for everyone who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. Rejoice in him and let's be willing to go and help others because there's so many needy people. We can wonder, we can pray, we can ask. You ask him, if you are his child tonight, who can you bring to Jesus? Who can you tell Jesus about? Bring him along. Bring him along to the church. Bring him along to the tent. By faith. And allow God to do the rest. It was a happy home. And of course, that led to this man, eventually, a permanent home. A place that was prepared for him. A place of many mansions. Because of Jesus and because what he has done. May God bless his word. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the wonder of the gospel. Thank you for the willingness of Jesus to to reach out to the needy and those who are lost. And we pray that you would help us to be bringing people to Jesus, to be pointing people to Jesus, to be telling people about Jesus by faith, believing when if people would just come, that they would find in you that friend that sticks closer than a brother, that they would find in Jesus forgiveness for all of their sins and the hope and the gift and the promise of eternal life. So Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray that you would continue with us and bless us as we sing our closing praise. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing praise is Psalm 103. That's on page 369. Psalm 103, page 369, verses 3 to 5. There's three verses there, 3 to 5. All thine iniquities who doth most graciously forgive, who thy diseases all in pains doth heal and thee relieve, who doth redeem thy life that thou to death mayest not go down, who thee with loving kindness doth and tender mercy's crown, who with abundance of good things doth satisfy thy mouth, so that even as the eagle's age renewed is thy youth. These three verses, Psalm 103, verses 3 to 5, to God's praise. All Oh.
Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.